Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 19 of English with Tim, the podcast where you can learn English in depth and detail. I've already told you about myself the same thing every single week for about 19 weeks, so I'm just going to skip to the advertisement about my small little service, which is um, Words for the Test, um, where you can learn hundreds of words for talking about data or to help you get a much higher score on the vocabulary part of IELTS Task 1 academic writing. Also great for anybody who is going to make business presentations. So, this week, what happened in my life this week? Nothing really amazing, um, except that uh, today, um, something interesting or something nice happened. I rode my road bike, not my mountain bike, but my road bike, um, 60 kilometers. I was planning to do 50 kilometers. I don't... Well, this summer, I haven't ridden my road bike long distances much. I mean, is 50 kilometers a long distance? Not really, honestly, but it's something, you know, it's pretty significant. Um, and I haven't been riding the road bike as much as I um, uh, did before. And I've, it, the, the road bike has kind of had a, a renaissance um, or a rebirth because, um, you know, with a mountain bike, you have this kind of absurd situation where to ride the bike, you have to put it on the back of a car and then drive it to a place, a special place where you ride the bike. That takes time. It takes gasoline. Um, it pollutes. And so, yeah, it's a little bit absurd. I love mountain biking, but um, the nice thing about a road bike is that you put on your clothes, you put on your shoes, helmet, and you walk out the front door. And as as you are, um, you know, taking your first steps out of the door, you are already starting to do what you were planning to do. You're already doing the sport. No driving. Um, so, um, yeah, today I rode 60 kilometers, um, and I came home very slightly sunburned in a few places and also covered with a crust of salt. Um, I also rode up one of the steepest hills in the city. Um, my fitness level left a little bit to be desired. I felt that going up that hill. I remember going up it a couple years ago, um, especially three years ago when I first got this this uh, blue road bike that I have, and kind of powering up the hill. Um, and this time I was, you know, really at the top of it. Like, ugh, I was um, barely making it. Um, it also was a lot hotter today than when I usually ride. I tend to ride, um, or tend to ride up that particular hill when it's a little bit cooler. Anyway, that's my, um, the trivial things from my life from this week. Um, anyway, so, um, what we're going to do this week is, um, I'm going to tell you, um, some roots of words and roots, uh, learning words by their roots is not a very common way to learn vocabulary. And actually, one second. What do I mean by roots? So words have three parts. Um, they have prefixes, roots, and suffixes. Um, a pre prefixes or common ones are things like re, you know, like reread something or redo something or dis, like disinformation. Um, then you've got suffixes like er, you know, worker, reader, um, fighter, driver, um, and so on. Uh, that er is a suffix. Also, the s or es um, ending on plurals and on the um, you know the he she it form of the verb in the present tense. That's also a suffix. Um, so the root is the the uh, the central part of the word. Not all words have um, prefixes. Not all words have uh, suffixes. But every word has a root. And um, roots often repeat between words. So you often have situations like. Um, Let's say perceive, receive, conceive, 
deceive, and then the derivative forms of them, you know, conception, reception, deception, um, and so on. And so uh, there's an opinion which is not super common among English teachers that one way to learn vocabulary is to take advantage of the fact that those roots repeat in different words and to learn them um, because it helps you to remember them. Now, um, there are some reasons why this opinion um, that this is a good way to learn vocabulary is not a very popular one. Um, one is that people, teachers, just don't really think about it that much. Um, another one is that um, one root can be used in many different words, and that those different words are all used at different levels of language mastery. So, you know, you've got um, one root, and one word that uses the root is a B1 kind of level word, low intermediate. Another one is, you know, a, a very advanced word. Another one's basic. And so it doesn't make that much sense, usually, to teach people these roots unless they've gotten to a higher level. Um, another thing is that roots change enough from word to word that some students end up asking, like, wait, is this really the same root? You know, um, it looks a little bit different. And so a lot of roots were first used like thousands of years ago in Latin um, or Greek or even the very old Proto-Indo-European, which is the language that gave rise to, you know, most of the language, languages spoken in Europe and um, a lot of the ones spoken in Asia, especially South Asia. So, you know, English, as I've told you in a previous episode, um, English and um, Polish and Hindi um, and uh, Farsi spoken in Iran and Greek, they're all, they all come from one very, very ancient language. So because these roots, my point is that um, because these roots are so old, they have had a lot of time to change into forms that are sometimes a bit hard to recognize. Another thing is that with um, some roots, like I gave the example at the beginning, deceive, receive, perceive, and so on, that sieve, well, it's not actually clear anymore what that means. Um, you know, it's it actually meant something like take in Latin, and it ends up being very abstract, and people, you know, students are scratching their head, well, take, what does, you know, deceive have to do with take or receive? Okay, receive, you take something, okay. Conceive, well, that means that, you know, you imagine something. Um, take, together, con means in Latin, together. It's confusing, and so not always, though. So I'm not going to do. I'm not going to give you the ones that are confusing um, and that don't have a clear meaning. So these are real problems, but I still think that roots are a fun and interesting approach. Um, I use them a lot when learning um, Polish and when learning um, Russian and also German. In uh, Slavic languages, they're actually a really common way to. Um, to learn vocabulary, um, because, you know, the, the meanings repeat. Um, and I remember one specific book that I had for learning Russian. It was called Leveraging Your Russian with Roots, Prefixes, and Suffixes. Super, super effective book. Um, with German, um, yeah, there's a lot of roots in there, but they sometimes they're also, like I said, like with sieve, you know, it's not really understandable always what they mean, and it's not a common approach. Um, now, in English-speaking countries among, like, English school children um, or high school kids, um, that actually is a, not a super common way, but it's not unheard of to learn vocabulary that way. 
Um, so I, like I said, I think that learning using roots is fun and interesting. And it also, one of the, the biggest advantages besides that it's fun is that, um, it often happens that learning roots results in you learning like really advanced meanings of words. These are what I call D1 or even D2 vocabulary. You know, we have this scale A1, A2, B1, B2 that everybody uses all the time. Um, I call these words D1 vocabulary or D2 vocabulary um, because they're words that even for native speakers, they sound kind of smart. Um, they And when you use them, they make you sound super smart and educated and cool. And the fact that they're advanced doesn't mean that they're difficult to learn. Some of them are, but generally not. So let's get to the first root that I want to talk about today. Um, we're going to do um, four of them. First root is vor. Um, and vor in Latin meant um, to eat. I don't know what the actual verb was, but you can see in this root, you know, the, this how it repeats in a lot of different words that it means something like eat. So the first word is devour. If you devour something, you quickly eat something. I'll give you a couple examples. So, first example. After I ran a marathon, I came home and devoured an entire large pizza. Now, you can also use this in a metaphorical sense. So, example. When I was a kid, I used to just devour comic books. I would spend the whole afternoon reading them. Devour comic book, you re or devour comic books, you read large amounts of them. Another example, also metaphorical meaning. If we devour all of the natural resources on the planet, there will be nothing left over for our kids. Um, next word with the root vor. D1 meaning. So, cool word. Voracious. If a person is voracious, that person tends to eat large amounts of food. So, for example, my small nephew is a voracious eater. True story. When he was about one year old, um, we took him out to a restaurant, and they gave him a grilled cheese sandwich, an entire grilled cheese sandwich, and a pile of French fries. And he ate all of the grilled cheese. He ate all of the French fries. And I did some calculating, and it was about the equivalent of two and a half large pizzas with, like, maybe two large servings of fries. And the emotions I felt, pride, disgust, wonderment. So yes, my nephew is, at times, a voracious eater, but not always. You know how kids are. Um, metaphorical meanings of voracious. She's a voracious reader. She reads one book every week. Voracious reader, pretty common phrase, actually. Um, next example of voracious. The United States is a voracious consumer of oil and gas. Fortunately, that's becoming less true. You know, people are using more renewable energies. Um, some other words. A carnivore. Carnivore is a person or an animal that eats meat, like a Tyrannosaurus rex is a carnivore, a shark is a carnivore. Um, a herbivore is an animal that eats plants. Not really a person. You could call a person a herbivore, but it's not something that people generally do. Um, so the dinosaurs that people don't usually think about as much were herbivores. You know, people think of the carnivores like T-Rex. Um, Stegosaurus was a herbivore, or um, squirrels um, are herbivores, as I understand. Um, next one, next word is omnivore. An omnivore is a person or an animal that really eats everything, um, you know, uh, both meat and plants and mushrooms and whatever, you know, they can eat, they will eat. And the last one with vor is locavore. So a locavore is a person 
who eats food, only food, that is locally produced. So why would they do this? Why would anybody do this? I mean, imagine you live in Greenland and um, you want to eat a mango. Why shouldn't you? A mango is delicious and nothing grows in Greenland. Well, most people don't live in places like Greenland where only, you know, a few things grow, you know, fish, um, potatoes, garlic, onions, and, you know, maybe a few other things growing in greenhouses. So locavore, why do people do that? They do it because um, of environmental reasons. Transporting food um, takes a lot of energy um, and, you know, pollutes the air. Um, so uh, people who are locavores, they try to eat locally made food. Next route is... Um, nose. Now, there is some variation in this one. Sometimes you're going to get a, a nose, sometimes it's going to be nose, sometimes it's going to be noi or nox, but you've got that N-O in there. So the first one is, the most common word is noise. Stop making noise, I'm trying to study. Another word that has this root very common, annoy. It really annoys me when you call me at dinner time, so why do you keep doing it? Next one, next word, noisome. Now I'm going to have a list of these, um, you know, in the um, on the website, so you can just look at them. Um, noisome means having a terrible smell. Um, this reminds me, one time I was traveling on a train in France, and the compartment it was an open compartment, um, and it was, you know, it's not an overnight train, um, and it just filled with this really terrible smell. It smelled like somebody had just taken old socks and, and made soup out of them. And everybody was looking around and just like, my God. And you know, this is a country where people eat cheese that stinks. And everybody was kind of shocked and amazed and, and you know, kind of laughing about the smell. And what was actually happening was that there was a French guy who had his wife with him. Who was She was not from France. I, I, I think she might have been from Philippines or something. Um, and uh, she had made, a, in fact, some soup, a large amount of soup, and she was continuously um, serving him this soup um, into a bowl. You could hear it splashing with this big spoon, and then you could hear him, you know, very happily slurping it up. You could... And then, you know, then you could hear glug, 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 as she poured more soup into his bowl. He just continuously ate it, and it was the most noisome, disgusting, terrible smell. Oh, my God. Maybe the soup was very delicious. I don't know. And I can't say with any certainty where she was from. Um, but, um, yeah, there's also some pretty noisome-smelling things that you can eat here in the United States. Um, next word, um, obnoxious. Obnoxious. It means showing... An in oh, and by the way, I forgot something. Noisome really is a D1 or even a D2 level word. This is a really sharp sounding word. And actually, not even all English speakers will know what it means. Um, next one, obnoxious. Obnoxious means showing an incredible level of disrespect for other people and their wishes. So, first example. Kids can be really fun, but they can also be completely obnoxious. Next example, I'm so happy that my obnoxious movers, uh, neighbors moved away. They were always having loud parties during the week and leaving trash all over the hallway. Next word with the root nos is nocebo. This is kind of the opposite, and nocebo is kind of the opposite of placebo. A placebo is something that a doctor gives you and says is medicine, but in fact contains nothing. So scientists and doctors often give people placebos when they're trying to understand how effective a medicine is. 
So, well, a nocebo, what's a nocebo then? Uh, the nocebo is, or the nocebo effect happens when you expect that a medicine or other treatment, for example, a surgery, will cause you harm, and then you experience that harm. For example, your grandfather told you that aspirin causes your nose to bleed. You are afraid of aspirin, you have a terrible headache, you take an aspirin, and your nose starts bleeding. That is the nocebo effect. Um, fortunately, I don't think it's too common. Well, I'm not a doctor, so who am I to say? Um, now, talking about placebo made me, uh, reminded me of the root plas. So P-L-A-C is how you'd spell it. Um, you can hear this word, I'm just going to deal with this word very shortly. You can hear this root in placebo, pleasure, please, pleasant, and also placid. That's P-L-A-C-I-D. Placid is kind of a D1 word that means just peaceful, like a placid personality. Um, a placid lake. That means, you know, one that's not experiencing any wind or, or storms or anything. Just very calm and peaceful. Placid morning. Placid mood. So, last route for today is br. B-R. Now, there's some variation in this one. Um, the BR um, in different languages, I'm going to compare this to different languages because this is not like a Greek or Latin root. This is a proto-Indo-European one. Um, and because it's so old, it has shown a lot of changes. Um, in particular, the BR um, has in some cases turned into a, or a, a PR um, because ba and pa are really the same sound. With one of them, you use your vocal cords. With the other one, you do not. And then another change is that the P sometimes changes to an F. So um, you could see this F, P to F change in um, pairs of words like um, German word Schiff in English is ship. So ship, English, German, Schiff. Or um, in Russian, and I'm sure in some other Slavic languages, plamya is flame. Um, so pla, you know, fla, the P to F. Um, also, you're going to see the letter R move around a little bit sometimes. So anyway, let's get to the first word. The first word is burden. A burden in uh, Polish is bziemia. In uh, so if it if you looked at that if you don't know Polish um, you'll say well what I mean there where's the, where's the R in there at all well if you see it on paper it's spelled B R Z uh, E M I E with a little hook on the bottom of it and that um, R Z in Polish is pronounced sorry if my Polish pronunciation is not amazing um, so burden in Polish is bziemia and in Russian it's bremia and in uh, French, it is fardeau. So you might again say, well, no, fardeau, that doesn't sound like burden. Well, change the F to a P and then the P to a B and you get baldeau. Um, so uh, in the metaphorical sense, um, the Chinese economy has a huge debt burden, 282% of GDP. It can also be used as a verb. I'm sorry if talking about my problems burdens you. Last um, example, again, metaphorical meaning. It used to be that if your past was a burden, you could just move to another city or country and start again. But because of social media, a person can't escape their past anymore. Um, similar word um, is the verb bear. Um, more familiar is the, to most people is the past tense form born. So bear is the present tense. The second form is bore. And the third form is 
born. So, for example, uh, she bore her first child when she was 25. Actually, nobody really says this in conversation. Um, in uh, written texts, yeah, you can you can definitely see this, more formal ones. Um, in conversation, you would just say she had her first child. Um, next example, um, with a more common form, born. I was born in 1980. Um, next word with this, bra. Um, kind of root is pregnant. So again, change the P to a B and you get bruh, pregnant. Um, and interestingly, when um, I was in high school, I learned Spanish and the teacher was always warning us that embarrassed um, does not mean embarazada. So embarazada and embarrassed, they obviously sound very similar. And um, I discovered later that, um, you know, that it has this root, embarazada, the E-M is just some kind of prefix, and the bar, you know, it's that, that root again. Um, so if a woman is embarazada, she is pregnant. Um, also in English, um, embarrassed, that B-R root again. Um, if a person is embarrassed, the person um, feels bad because other people know something about this person that they don't want other people to know, um, or other people see something about this person that, you know, they don't want others to see. For example, a person feels embarrassed when, um, I don't know, they are seen naked, the person's embarrassed. So what does that have to do with the BR root? Um, well, it means that you kind of feel a burden, you feel an emotional burden, something heavy, my god, I don't want to feel this way. Um, I know that's a bit abstract, but, um, and I'm also, to be clear, I am not um, somebody who has a background in a deep background in in ancient languages, and I can't tell you with this particular word, I can't tell you with a hundred percent certainty that that's um, the connection between embarrassed and burden. But um, my intuition um, tells me that it is. Next word, freight. This is spelled um, differently, so F R E I G H T. So, um, in Polish and in German, this word is fracht. And again, change the F to a P, and then the, the uh, P to a B, and you get breit. That's not the actual word, but you can again see the, you know, the, the mutations. So, freight. What is freight? It's a very large amount of goods that is transported together at the same time by boat, truck, train, etc. So, um, example sentence. One reason that passenger trains are not popular in the U.S. is that freight trains get priority. True story. Um, yeah, when, you know, you want to arrive in town on a passenger train, um, in my city, it arrives at about 2 o'clock in the morning. Super inconvenient. And that's because the freight trains, um, you know, they have priority. Um, so a derivative form of that is, of the word freight, is freighter. So a freighter is a boat, specifically a boat that carries freight. So, example, it takes freighters about 20 days to cross the Pacific. Last word of this last route is porter. Now, you probably heard this, or maybe you've heard this in connection with a certain style of beer that's, you know, from Ireland. That's not the meaning I'm talking about. Um, a porter is a person who works at a hotel or possibly also an airport, whose job it is to carry your baggage for you. So I think that's pretty clear. The P changes to a B, and, you know, burden, carrying, you know, 
person, this person carries a burden for you. So example sentence, the porter carried my luggage from the car to my room. Let's just do a quick run through of all the words again. Um, vor, devour, voracious, carnivore, herbivore, omnivore, locavore, root with N-O-C or N-O-X or whatever, noise, annoy, noisome, like a noisome smell, obnoxious, like an obnoxious child, nocebo, root with plas, um, is placebo, pleasure, please, pleasant, and placid, like placid character, placid lake, placid morning, placid mood. Then we have this br um, root. So we have burden, we have bear and born, we have pregnant, we have freight, we have freighter, and we have porter. Now, I just came to think of this. Um, in uh, Polish, the verb for take is uh, brać. So that's also kind of similar, picking something up, you know, something, you know, a weight or a burden. So anyway, thanks everybody for listening, and I hope you enjoyed this um, approach with roots, and um, tell me what you think about it in the, com um, in the comments. See you next Monday.